0: What is up Irish fans and welcome back to another episode of the Slauncher Out. I'm your host Jack Lennyart and we have another great episode for you today. Ben Belden from Slap the Sign joins the show to talk about Notre Dame's 27-13 victory over Duke. We talked about some of our key takeaways from the game, some players that sit out and what we would like to see from Notre Dame moving forward this season. And at the end of it, we also threw in our score predictions for Notre Dame's upcoming game against South Florida. Before we get to that conversation, we have a quick word about Anchor. We now welcome back onto the podcast, Ben Belden of Slap the Sign. Ben, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing well. I'm, uh, you know, had a big day. I'm glad to talk some Notre Dame football to finish it off.
0: All right. Well, that is what, exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be just giving our general recap of the Duke game, kind of takeaways, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. And then I think to end, we can talk about what we'd like to um, – things we're going to be looking for specifically next weekend – out of Notre Dame when they face South Florida. So you're the guest on the podcast, so I'll I'll pitch it to you to start, and you can take us where, where you want to go. What were some of your key te- takeaways from Notre Dame's 27-13 victory last weekend?
1: I think uh, it was definitely a game where um, it was the first game of the season, and they haven't had a lot of normal practice time beforehand. And so I can already hear some people um, – on Twitter and things like saying, well, there's no excuse for some of that stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I sort of agree, but I mean, I, I, do, I don't know. I think as I thought about, you know, as you and I talked or you know, talked beforehand about this question and what I, as I thought about what I was going to say and that type of thing, I, I genuinely think that like, I liked most of what I saw, to be honest with you. I, I don't really think I thought it was going to go a whole lot differently than it did. I guess it's probably the best way to put it. Um, Ian Book was a little bit rusty. Um, Notre Dame was clearly the better team. It wasn't particularly a close game uh, really um, throughout the second half once Notre Dame kind of got their stride a little bit. And so, I don't know. I'm not. One that freaks out real easily about things. I'm, I'm kind of a glass half full type of a guy. And like I said, it just it really just kind of went the way I thought it would. Um, and I hope, you know, as we transition to talk about, you know, this upcoming game, like I just hope that they're able to build on it. But I think, you know, generally, I thought the building blocks were there and I'm happy to see that.
0: Yeah, I am. Um, I, I tend to agree, and I think, like you touched on, heading into the the game last Saturday, I was kind of resigned to the fact that I, I'm like I was almost certain that there were going to be parts of it that were going to be frustrating in a sense. Uh, a because, like you mentioned, they haven't had the normal number of practices that they would have had in, in a in a normal year, and B just because I'm a fan of Notre Dame football and that's kind of just what they do. <laughs> um, so I, and even, I, I mean, even when the game was cl- like, you know, um, when it was, when it was seven, six in the first half, um, and it was a, a pretty close game and Notre Dame was still, you know, struggling to get things, you know, rolling or find a rhythm on offense. I was really, truly never all that worried. Um, I mean, I, I just figured, all right, you know, we're going to win this. It's probably not going to be as pretty as you like, but um, I don't think it's ever going to be too much of doubt. And then, um, I mean, I think there, the, the most fans, you know, there probably was a moment of a doubt where it looked like Duke, you know, on their, I think it was their first possession of the second half um, or was it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. When, when they, they had the ball and an opportunity to take the lead again, um, I think that maybe was the height of, uh, of the worries uh, of the fan base. I mean, outside of the first three, three and outs, but um, once Notre Dame was able to, to score again on, on their ensuing position, I think that kind of settled everyone down and really, yeah. I mean, it was the game, at least for me, was an opportunity to kind of, um, I mean, like every year you get to know some, some new faces and names on the teams and for, for Notre Dame's offense, that's mainly the skill positions, which, are are uh, um, kind of a, a hot topic when it comes to to nerd and football fans um, and usually something that they they 're criticized for so I guess specifically speaking of some of these these new players that we got a chance to see on Saturday, who really stuck out to you on the offensive side of the ball
1: yeah I think I mean obviously I think the easy answer to that is Kyron williams um, i don 't know I think he played really well, obviously. Um, I think he like others um, it took a little bit of time to get going. I mean, I think the whole team took a little bit of time to get going. We can touch on that later. I I'll actually answer your question. Um, but then, you know, I, I really like Michael Mayer. I mean, that play he made uh, where he caught like a two yard drag type of a route and then just like dispatched a Duke defender and, you know, it was a third down and 10, I think. And, you know, he broke a tackle and got the first down, uh, just dragging Duke defenders in his wake. Like that was, that got me excited for, you know, a a tight end, a freshman, true freshman tight end. Um, and I don't know. I, I actually thought in the second half, Ian Book played pretty well, to be honest with you. I know his whole body of work doesn't look all that impressive. Um, missed some receivers, certainly. Um got away with throwing an interception that got called back by a penalty. So, but in the second half, I think that adjustments were made. I was, I was kind of impressed with the way he was able to uh, adjust and played a pretty, pretty clean second half. I think the second half is when he missed on a screen pass that could have had big, big yardage, but um, except besides missing on like one throw or so in the second half, maybe two, like I thought he played pretty darn well outside of that.
0: Um, I, I mean, like you said, it's it's kind of hard to not start with with Kyron Williams. I mean, talk about a – I mean, it wasn't really his debut, but, I mean, after last season when he had such such limited playing time, it kind of was kind of like, you know, his second debut. Um right. and, and he just had an awesome day. And I think, like, you heard Tariqo and Dungy talking about it a little bit and also I think just general fans on Twitter um, talking about just how much – uh, like it just looks he looks like a natural running back and like comparing that to previous seasons when you you know you had a guy like Jafar Armstrong who's a former wide receiver um leading the the backfield it, it just it, it's kind of refreshing to see and and I mean man that kid is is just super talented and he kind of like has all the tools I mean I wouldn't say there's one specific thing where he's just you know head and shoulders above um all other running backs in college football at, but he just does like seemingly everything just, just very well and just seems like a solid all around back. Um, yeah. And then also, like you mentioned, Michael Mayer, I mean, my goodness. <laughs> uh, what well, I mean, you, you, you can't tell he's a freshman. You just absolutely can't tell. Um, and that right. play you're describing uh, that. Yeah. That defender had him dead to rights, completely wrapped up. And then, Mayor was seemingly still running full speed. And then the guy just was just like, all right, you know, I'll we'll, we'll give up. You can have this one <laughs> and then let him go. Um, yeah. And you, I mean, you could tell why he, why he was a five-star for sure. And almost certainly going to be, you know, one of the next great tight ends at Notre Dame that we're talking about. Um Another guy who I thought really had a, a really nice day was Joe Wilkins. What um, wasn't like, didn't put up huge numbers, but. Had a couple of really um, key catches on. I think it was their their drive b- right before the end of the first half where they ended up kicking a field goal. Um, but yeah, helped move the chains on those and uh, just in. I guess in the receiver core that I mean at the moment, well at least last weekend was without Kevin Austin, without Brayden um didn't really see a whole lot of of Jordan Johnson. So. You know it was kinda you know we were looking for for something I thought he he was um a little bit of a spark, and I think he's gonna be a you know a nice factor in the in the in the passing game this season um I guess before well we can get the book in a second, but I think uh another big talking point on the offensive side of the ball was the offensive line um and Obviously, since you're returning the entire group of five starters, it was viewed as a a, um, a huge strength for Notre Dame. So I guess just generally, what was your impressions of the offensive line and how they played on Saturday?
1: Um, well, this is kind of going to tie into what I want to see, I guess, from the game against USF that's coming up. But I just sort of felt like, And this was really, I mean, this was maybe more evident on the offensive side of the ball, but I think it's really something in general that, like, the whole team just didn't seem very physical at first or just didn't seem like there was, like, this dominance or this, um, I don't know, maybe, like, a sense of urgency, I guess. And so, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think we have bad offensive line talent. I don't think we have bad offensive line scheme. I know. Uh, I mean, like I, like you just mentioned, you know, this is probably what was advertised as the strength of the football team, and I still think it is. I just sort of felt like it was a little bit ho-hum, a little bit, I guess. Um, a little bit of, you know, when you go out and, you know, you don't have the ball first, and then you, you get the ball and things don't go your way, and it's a three and out. It's like, okay. Um, now you know what kind of rhythm is your offense in, and an offensive lineman is is kind of uh, you know a, a place where you've got to get a little bit. You want to hit people, and when you only get the opportunity to like hit people and a couple times, you know you're dropping back in pass protection, you're not really hitting anyone. Uh, and so I don't know. Like I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout way is that I just didn't really, for, probably because of like the stadium atmosphere, the first game, a lot of that. It just sort of seems like they were tentative a little bit. Um, It's almost hard to quantify what I, what I sort of felt like. It just sort of felt like very lackadaisical. And then as the game got going on a little bit and um, they continued to run downhill, which is, you know, something that, you know, I was impressed with. They didn't just abandon the run game. At at least in my opinion Um, it got better and adjustments were made clearly and they, you know, started getting a groove and hit people and, all that type of stuff. And then it worked out. So, I mean, that's kind of my assessment. And so I I don't know, I think improving that is let's let these guys go out and hit people, uh, on the first down, you know, first three downs, hopefully, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust football for a couple, a couple of plays here at the beginning. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not too worried about the offensive line overall.
0: Yeah. And I'm not worried either. I think, um, what happened was uh so on two fronts, first, I think that in the the eyes of a lot of Notre Dame fans, I think their expectations for the offensive line and how you know they should look um in in a game is was probably maybe a little bit too high, just given how much they've been talked about as a strength of the team, so I can see where people are disappointed because they're expecting this offensive line to look like, you know, um, (laughs) you know, an FBS school playing like a, a high school team and just like throwing bodies around and just like pancake blocks everywhere. Um, and I think, uh, and second is, I just think that we kind of underestimate, um, the Duke front seven, um, and specifically their defensive line, uh, I I I truly think it's it's one of the better defensive lines that we're gonna see this season. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about their their two starting defensive ends who are um like legitimate NFL prospects. Um and I thought their interior defensive lineman played really well too. And just scheme-wise, I I think that they did a lot to um to slow Notre Dame down early on and also just kind of confuse um the offensive line the best that they could. In the front, you know you saw a lot of a lot of stunts uh run stunts and and run stunts that and some that, that um that got through um, and then in those first couple of three and outs, um, there are a handful of times when they would roll an eighth guy into the box pre snap and um and so obviously I mean trying to run against an eight man box is, is is not really an easy thing to do it doesn't matter if you're Alabama going up against you know some FCS school like It's just, it's just like a numbers game. There's usually going to be someone that's free. So I think they did a lot scheme wise um, to kind of throw Notre Dame off and, and slow them down early on. But, but like you said, once the team kind of settled in, in the second half, I thought they, um, they really started clicking. And uh, I, I mean, even something like, you know, those big screen plays that hit, like, I feel like a lot of times people don't appreciate the, level that the offensive line is involved in those i mean not only do you have to have athletic guys back there who can uh get downfield and make blocks but they have to be smart enough to make sure that they're not overrunning their blocks they're taking the proper angles and they're also at the beginning of the play baiting the defensive line to continue to rush so that they move um so that they run right by you and take themselves out of the play so um Overall, I thought it was a good game. I I think they could definitely do better, and I think they will do better and improve as the season goes on. But,
1: um, I mean, good luck
0: telling that to a Notre Dame fan sitting at home after watching his team go three and out on three straight possessions to start the year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and to your point, just to add on to something that you said, like giving Duke a little bit of credit, well, it's also the first game of the year, and it's not like Notre Dame had tape on Duke to know exactly what they were going to do defensively and prepare for that. I mean, so that adds, that adds, I mean, you kind of said that, and that adds kind of a little bit of an extra layer. Like, it's not like you knew exactly what Duke was going to, what all their tendencies were this season, because certainly personnel changes. I mean, obviously they've played Duke in the past, but I don't really know how much bearing that has. So I don't know. Like, I think I, I was looking at the stats. I mean, they they ran for 4.2 yards per carry, and there were, you know, that's factoring in a few sacks and things. So, I mean, like it's it certainly could have been a lot worse, I guess is what I'll just kind of sum up by saying
0: agreed all right, so before we move to the defensive side of the ball, let's talk about a little bit more about Ian book um it I know it's i mean I mean we had the whole saga of um what was it twenty eighteen uh no last year twenty nineteen when he silenced the Notre Dame crowd after scoring that, that game-winning touchdown against Virginia Tech. Um, right. So, I mean, it's definitely a controversial topic. Um, and it's – I mean, it's, it's tough for me because you, you look back through the years um, of just his, his stats, um, going back to 2017 where he started, like, the last handful of games. Uh, and, I mean, obviously in, in 2018 he was great. Um, I think the knock on him that season is that people didn't feel like he was pushing the ball downfield enough, but that was the year when he completed, I think it was close to like 68, 69% of his passes and had one of the top completion percentages. Um, and then had a little bit of a regression to some degree, um, last season and finished the year completing just 60% of his passes. Um. And so I mean, it, it seemed like just watching the game, I honestly thought that he was throwing somewhere around um I thought he was in the fifties completion percentage wise it just seemed like he was he was off on 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 most of his throws um so he ended up he threw nineteen for thirty one for two hundred sixty three yards, and so that's i think it's like sixty one percent completion so right around what his average was um last year uh and i don't think this is his ceiling i think he could he can certainly play better because i mean on some of these throws it's not like they were difficult throws where he's trying to just like thread the needle um i mean sometimes it's just like checkdowns, and it just seemed like more often than not he was he was just overthrowing it, uh his receivers or um on some of them just throwing it Kind of too hard where he had space yep. to, you know, maybe put a little bit more touch on it. I think it was the second, nerd no, him second possession where he had Tommy Tremble for the first down. And Tremble probably should have caught the ball, but Ian just like zipped it to him. And he didn't have a defender like within seven, eight yards of him. So he could have easily put some more touch on it. I mean, it wouldn't have gotten to him faster. Um, and maybe he wouldn't have had as much time to, you know, make a man miss and make a bigger play, but he would have gotten the first down. Uh, so just things like that. I mean, with, you know, like some of the other things we talked about, um, some of it, we can chalk up to just, you know, not having as many reps leading up to their first game, but, um, kind of were, were was hoping for more from, from book in that first game. Uh, and I think, I mean, after, I, I mean, he played good enough to, to win the game. Um, I mean, there's no debating that, but, um, I mean, once you get into your run of, of tougher opponents, is that performance going to be good enough? And I'm really not sure.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that. I, he clearly, in my opinion, was a, a little bit juiced on a couple of those. Uh, like the the screen pass that was set up that was going to probably net us 30, 40 yards, just completely juiced on that pass. That pass to Tommy Tremble. Yeah, I think that's – I mean, he was a little juiced on that one too, but – like you said, I think Tremble should have caught that. I mean, you put those two two plays together, though, and you know, change those two plays, and he's like twenty-one of thirty-one for uh, over three hundred yards, <laughs> in my opinion. So, I mean, it's a game of inches to a certain degree. So, I, I mean, I mean, you expect your quarterback to make those throws. That's the other argument too. Is like you know, third-year starter you expect your quarterback to, to not, I mean, maybe you have one throw a game where it's like, Oh, what, what the heck just happened? But um, I don't know. Like I think you pretty well hit the nail on the head that um, he can play better. I think he will play better. Um, And I I don't know, like maybe, maybe I'm getting old and like, I just, I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but I'm just not, I'm not all that worried about it. Like I I don't really, it's sort of hard to, Sort of hard to explain why, but um, I don't know. And I guess to sum up, I, I wish I were athletic enough and whatever to have a quote-unquote bad game or like an average game, and still complete sixty some percent of my passes for two hundred and sixty-three yards. Like I don't know. So, <laughs> so like we're we're over here like critiquing a guy. I even like tweeted this. Like some some people on Twitter were talking about how like. I think the words that I used were that they were acting like he was just like the plumber that they got off the street and enrolled real quick so that he could play quarterback. Like, I don't know. Like there are a lot of schools, honestly, that would be like, Oh my gosh, I wish my quarterback would throw for 250 some odd yards on a bad game. So I don't know. I think, I think the ceiling's higher. And I think we all know, and I think he knows that he's going to have to play better against top notch opponents. Uh, The good news is he's got, at least a little bit of time here at the beginning to kind of get into his groove.
0: Yeah. And I think um I mean accuracy issues aside, really the I think the the two things that are the fairest criticisms of him are those those two interceptions that he threw. I mean the one you mentioned did get called back because um the defensive end for Duke jumped off sides. But I mean the first one was just was just bad. Um yeah. just straight up I mean you first down uh, in the red zone you just can't <laughs> you can't throw, throw an interception in that spot like if anything right. throw it away lift the lift to play another down um
1: yeah especially right in a game where, a 70 yard play too yeah 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 it just seemed
0: like I, I mean in a game where you're you're struggling to get points on the board you can't really can't really hurt your team like that and then i think it was i, I think it was the very next possession one one that interception that got called back um happened and like like the like Tariko and Dungy were saying in the broadcast I I'm not entirely sure that he knew it, it was a free play Um and oh, he uh, I think it was no yeah, way. <laughs> and it wasn't really I mean Chase Claypool maybe makes that catch Lawrence Keys has no shot at making that catch the way <laughs> yeah. he put that ball um, right. yeah all right so Actually, how about this? Before we go to defense, I'll throw you a little curveball here. Let's talk special teams, because I thought there were some some pretty nice plays from Notre Dame special teams, and I get the feeling that their special teams are gonna make a difference in close games later on this season. So any takeaways from
1: special teams? I just think well the easy play to talk about is the fake punt. Um and the, what, what impresses me the most uh on that fake punt was you know we've not we how often have we seen something like that go against Notre Dame <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah. it's a frustrating amount um and so to me like it's like okay like we've heard the we've heard the thing about Notre Dame special teams be like okay we're just going to and this is what baffles me to a certain degree like we're going to just we're just going to make sure we don't do anything really, really bad on special teams seems to be like the message that we get all the time. And the criticism is like, why are we not using it to, to change games? Right. Um, And so, I don't know. I was just, I, I was, I had to like grab my heart, like whenever um, on the fake punch, Uh, because it's like, obviously something was seen. That's something that's talked about throughout the week before a game It's like, if we, you know, on, on, after we watched, because I believe that was their second punt, quote unquote punt, it didn't end up actually happening. But um, I think that was their second punt. So they obviously clearly, part of the game plan was, all right, we're going to see exactly how they, um, you know, they they block this punt, like what they're trying to do. And if it looks like they're not paying any type of attention to our punter, on the second punt, we're going to, if the opportunity's there, we're going to run the fake. So um, I'm encouraged by that because it just seems like that sends the message to me that like, they're going to try to use special teams as an actual weapon. Um, there were certainly other, I, I thought the the coverage game was good. I thought um, Chris Tyree looked pretty good returning one or two of those kicks. Um, that was kind of his bright spot of the day. Um, so overall pretty pleased to be honest. And uh, Jonathan door, you remember this time last year where we were all like, Oh my gosh, is this guy going to be able to make a field goal? And he, left no doubt on either of the two field goals. And they were both came at kind of a, uh, um, a pretty critical juncture where we needed points. So um, overall special teams, I mean, I think you could certainly improve. Um, However, I can't really complain about what they did either. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean,
0: kudos to Brian Pullian. I think he's done an absolutely amazing job since, since joining the staff. Um, and, And like you mentioned that, so, that fake punt, it was their, their fourth possession, so they had punted three times prior. And Was it that uh, far in? Wow, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I didn't notice this live, but they uh, Duke only had 10 men on the field um, to start. They had a guy run on late, so they did have 11 men on the field when the ball was snapped, but that 11th guy was a little bit out of position. I think he was outside the numbers, um, oh. which is – probably part of the reason why bramblet cut up where he did um so yeah i'm not sure if that was something that was called like like from the jump was like hey we're doing this or if um it's something where bramblet has the the freedom to say like all right let me count up how many guys are on this side how many guys are on this side all right let me call it a quick quick audible and let's run this thing sure um but yeah uh i, I mean just just a, a heady play um and just taking advantage of, of things that you've seen. I mean, uh, good and bad pros, I guess um, from having three, three announces that you get a good look at what your opponent's doing on, on punt coverage and (laughs) have the opportunity (laughs) to do something like that. Um, uh, Yeah. And I think, I mean, Chris Terry, there's, there's no way he finishes this season with without out at least one kick return for a touchdown. He's going to break one for sure. Uh, and Jonathan Doerr remains to be just an absolute weapon. Um, very fortunate to uh, for Notre Dame to go from a guy like Justin Yoon to a guy like J- Jonathan Doerr where you're not really going through any periods of kicking woes um, and just super valuable to have at at, at the college level. And and Jay Bramblet too, um, I think. I mean, he had one really bad punt um, that was short and left Duke in, in plus territory and – I think that was the drive they ended up scoring a touchdown on, but other than that, uh, he's been solid. All right, so yeah, just wanted to touch on that because, like I mentioned, I think stuff like that um, it could be a difference maker when you get into these, these uh, tougher matchups that Notre Dame will face later on this season. Okay, moving on to the defensive side of the ball. So, um, same thing with how we started out on offense. Were there any, any general
1: takeaways or, or players that stood out to you? Um, I'm not going to go with one player. Um, I'm just going to go with, and I know this was talked about in Brian Kelly's press conference, but this was generally genuinely something that I noticed and took like made a mental big time mental note of like man did Notre Dame play a lot of players on defense. Holy Mm -hmm. Moses. (laughs) Like I was just like, my gosh, there's like a new, I don't know. Like I, I, I have different attitudes at times when I watch Notre Dame games. Like sometimes I just want to sit and just watch it and not think about anything. And sometimes I watch it really closely. And like, this was a time where I was kind of, I, I was a little bit of both. And so like, I would kind of zone for a little bit and I'd be like, wait, who, who made that? When did he come in? Like I kept saying like, I, I was, and then a couple of them have like changed numbers. And then like McLeod had me all kind of confused. Cause I was like, who the heck is number four? <laughs> um, And I said that probably five different times throughout the game uh, because I don't know. So I had to like pull up a roster to make sure I knew who was who. And so I say all that as a, as a good thing, what really stuck out to me, like I say, was the fact that they played so many guys and then even so uh, they didn't play very many guys in the secondary, but Brian Kelly talked this week about how, you know, the next order of business is getting more guys in, in the secondary. Like, I don't think Houston Griffith got very many snaps um, but I think you know, we'll probably see a lot more of him on Saturday. Um Sean Crawford at safety seems to be a, a good thing. Um I'm not not really sure that I saw that coming ever. Uh, but he can he can cover like a corner and he can hit like a safety. And I was impressed by that. Um and obviously the easy guy, I, I know I said I wasn't gonna mention a whole lot of guys by name, but here I am, uh was Isaiah Fosky was an easy guy to 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 talk about um because he made you know quite an impact i don't uh, he registered a sack but he uh, um affected two or three throws um that were you know at, at critical times when duke was moving the football so i i don't know i loved what i saw from the defense overall like uh, i couldn't be more happy with that overall yeah, um, I I
0: agree, and I guess to to toot my own horn a little bit in regards to Isaiah Foskey, we when we just did our our top twenty five most impactful players uh, rankings, and everyone submitted their ballots and ranked players one to twenty five uh, over. I mean, based on who we think are going to have is going to have the biggest impact on the season, I was the only writer to rank Isaiah Foskey in my top twenty five. So. Um, I'm glad to be (laughs) glad to be proven right there. Uh, and to make an impact at a position, um, with so much quality depth like defensive end is just speaks to, to his talent and totally in agreement with you on, on Crawford as well. He just looks like a a very natural fit at safety. And yeah, some plays where, (laughs) where, where he would come up and make tackles. I was like, Oh man, Sean Crawford with some pop. I like it. Um, so that's, I mean, really great to see. Um, I, what else? Um,
1: I got to yeah. cut you off. Of, <laughs> that's a split second. Go for it. Sean Crawford, the 25 year old man, it seems like, <laughs> out there. I, mean, I was like, man, he's he's, he's getting old. He's, he's about to go into football retirement. Not because, I don't know, not because of the injuries, just because he's just darn old. Anyway, sorry, I had to get that in there. Yeah, no worries, no worries. I think, I mean, yeah, there's just,
0: um, I mean, you have, sort of those players that you consider like stars on the defense, where you got guys like Kyle Hamilton, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, the two ends, Dalen Hayes and, and Adi Um But then other than that, you just have, it seems like at most positions, just a, a good amount of, of depth and um, not normal depth, you know, on a college roster where it's guys who aren't going to see a whole lot of playing time. It's guys that Clark Lee feels very comfortable getting in the mix. Um, and so I think he, he's just got a very kind of flexible defense that I think, and he has like a, a bunch of different tools to, to kind of attack um, opposing offenses each week. Um, one, one really cool thing um, that I, I noticed a couple of times was um, they were super effective in dropping uh, linemen into coverage. So there were a couple of times where you would see Heinish and Byron uh, Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa Mosa drop back Uh, from the line of scrimmage, and he almost, I mean, Clarkley almost schemed up an interception. uh, I think it was in the first quarter. I think that that same uh, series where Foskey had that sack, but it was Chase Bryce was under pressure. He didn't see MTA or Heinish had dropped back, and he threw one kind of right in the middle of the field towards the goal line, and they uh, were maybe like a step or two away from picking it off. Um, Right. And then there was another play where Dalen Hayes, they were, he was lined up on the short side of the field that end and he immediately dropped out to the flats where um, Duke's primary option on the play was running just like a, it was like a five or six yard, um, just like a button hook and Chase Bryce had to throw it away because that was completely taken away by Dalen Hayes. So um, just, I, I mean, I just love how kind of versatile, um, the Notre Dame's defenses. And when you get a guy like Clark Lee uh, calling the plays and give him so much to work with, um, you're only going to see good things. So I thought that was uh, just really, really promising. Um, when we had the Cal the Hamilton injury, which um, appears to be just an ankle sprain, I think at the latest. So it sounds like he's going to sit out this coming weekend, but um, I mean, we should hopefully hear more uh in the near future with regards to his availability moving forward after that um but yeah, so overall i think we we did a good job covering uh both sides of the ball there so let's turn our focus to this coming weekend where no name is set to host u s f and let's talk about um areas of improvement or maybe just things that you didn't see this past weekend that you want to see this weekend.
1: Yeah. So um, I went to actually write a preview for this game on Monday. And as I kind of just started to look up a little bit about USF and uh, learn about the names that I should know and that type of stuff, uh, I really just was like kind of left with like one underlying, I guess, um, feeling, I suppose. And that's said, that I don't care who plays for USF. Like <laughs> I was just like, you know, <laughs> it, it does not matter. Like I, I, and I don't mean to minimalize like that. I'm sure USF, and, and I know they do, they, they, they played the Citadel last week. They won 27 to six. Uh, but like I, genuinely what I want to see is like, I don't, I I do not care about USF. What I want to see is Notre Dame take care of their business, come out with, and this is what I was sort of alluding to earlier, come out with a sense of urgency and a physicality from both sides of the football, and the rest is really going to take care of itself. I mean, Notre Dame's got the better athletes at just about every position. And, you know, just come out with a sense. I'm never going to expect Notre Dame to play a – 100% 100% perfect game without fumbling the football or throwing an interception or maybe a busted coverage that goes for a big play but overall I want to see you know to me whenever I think back to the Duke game like defensively Duke moved the ball in the first couple of drives but then Notre Dame just started it just seemed like Duke couldn't get a single inch uh like or the inches that they got were just like they were very um laborious I suppose it just seemed like every catch that they had was well contested every yard that they got they had to just scratch and claw for everything and it's because there was just a level of physicality Isaiah Foskey's hitting the quarterback on every play it felt like um that really turned up throughout the game I just want to see that from snap one um with the defense with the offense firing off the ball um I don't want I you know I, I don't need any you know, trick plays, like big play, you know, voodoo magic type of stuff. I just want to see physical sense of urgency football from snap one and go into halftime up 14 points or, or whatever it is um, and just continue to build on what we sort of saw Notre Dame improve on throughout the game against Duke. Yeah.
0: I would sign me up for that. Um <laughs> I think
1: for, for me if you could give me
0: one thing um uh, I mean it would have to be just Ian book having a very efficient game first and foremost um and that's just kind of just I mean minimizing the margin of error and just taking what the defense is giving you. So I mean if if he just makes I don't know maybe like four four more throws last weekend. He's probably, or four or five more throws. Let's say he's probably throwing for close to 300 yards and maybe even another touchdown. So yeah. he, I, I, if he could just kind of um, center himself and just, he did, it didn't seem like he was really panicking all that much in the pocket. I mean, aside from maybe a couple of plays um, it seemed like he like, unlike uh, I think it was in, in 2018 when, People were kind of knocking him for having happy feet. Um, mm-hmm. He he seemed more poised in the pocket in this game. It's just him just missing throws. So I think if he can kind of just just settle and um and just make a couple more throws, which are I mean like we were talking about earlier, the level of difficulty wasn't crazy high on some of them. Um, it's just simple throws that he's probably made hundreds of times in practice. So just right. f- back to fundamentals focus in, make these throws, and have an efficient game. Um, And if you can give me two things, the next thing I'd ask for is for him to take a couple more shots down the field. And hopefully we do get to see Braden Lindsay this next weekend, because I think having that that addition to your offense and just that additional threat opens up so much more. I mean, I was talking about earlier how – Early on last weekend, it seemed like Duke was on a couple occasions. They had, you know, eight guys up in the box, and they seemed to be flying up pretty quickly to 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 stop Notre Dame's run game. If you have guys on the outside like Lindsey, defenses really can't do that because they, they're going to leave themselves exposed on the back end. So um, really hope we get to see him this weekend, and would love to see what Notre Dame's offense looks like with him in the mix. Um, and then, yeah, uh, just seeing more – more positives out of, out of the, the guys that we talked about earlier. Um, some of the new faces like Kyron Williams, like a Michael Meyer, like a Chris Tyree uh, just to get the ball into, into those guys' hands and, and let them make plays because even though they're, they're some of the younger players on the team, they're, they're, they have the talent and they're the, um, they're playmaker. So get them the ball.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and you were kind of alluding to this a little bit as well, like, I want to see, in conjunction to what you want to see, like I, I want to see one of the receivers, uh, somebody in the receiving core, sort of emerge as maybe not a go-to guy, but I want to just see somebody make a couple plays. You know what I mean? Like that sticks out. Like I don't really expect this Notre Dame skill position group to really have one like dynamic stud the way that they've had you know when you look back the last two years miles boykin was you know the stud his senior year chase claypool like no Dame doesn't really have that i don't think i don't think kevin austin even though we, i obviously know he's hurt i don't think he's that guy uh but it would be nice to just see one guy sort of take at least a little bit of leadership i was you know i suppose hopeful about ben skaronic but i don't i mean he obviously hurt himself and um i don't know I, we don't know exactly the extent of that injury and if he'll play and that type of thing um i can't remember if he was even listed on the depth chart that came out the other day um so i don't know like it would be nice to just be like to leave this game thinking like okay that guy's a playmaker like that guy like i feel good about that guy uh maybe not to the level like i say of claypool boykin whatever but like just just somebody please like i think notre dame wide receivers like was, I think Wilkins had four catches maybe, and he was far and away more. That no, was far and away more than anybody else on the team. And like the next one was like one or two. <laughs> like I don't know. I, I'd like to see a receiver kind of step up a little bit. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: All right. Well, before we wrap things up, I think it's only right that we give a quick score prediction. For Notre Dame's game against USF. So I I think last I checked this the spread was twenty-six points, twenty-six at twenty-six and a half. So Ben,
1: what is your score prediction? I am picking Notre Dame to cover that spread. And for the final score to be Notre Dame 45, USF 14.
0: All right. I like it. Um I think my prediction is them not covering the spread, but still winning comfortably. I have them winning 34 to 10. So we'll see who's, who's right. I'm hoping it's you. Um, but we'll see how things play out. Well, all right, Ben. Uh, thanks for, for taking the time to join me to, to talk some Notre Dame football, and hopefully we can do this again soon.
1: Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah.
0: our thanks again to ben belden for joining the podcast today you could follow him on twitter at real b belden and you can also find his work at slapthesign.com as well as the under the dome podcast well that'll do it for today's show um you can expect a, a similar episode for each week following a Notre Dame football game this season. I'm going to aim to get these out by the Thursday, each week following. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Slauncherout, um, where I'll be posting details about upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening, and as always, go Irish.